Um, I'm really excited to be here today, and I was sort of laughing to myself as I heard the introduction about moving forward with technology and breakthrough, and yet you're starting your conversation about farming. So we're really, um, maybe this is the perfect place to start, because certainly in the wine industry, the beginning of it all happens with our family farmers and on the ranch and what we're doing there. And so I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about what we have been doing around really our sustainability commitment and then kind of how we're envisioning the farm of the future and what we're doing to sort of make that happen. So um, as was mentioned, I'm Carissa Cruz. I run the Sonoma County Wine Growers. Uh, in my role, I really have two jobs. I promote Sonoma County as a wine region on behalf of our growers and I help preserve local agriculture. So there's about 1,800 grape growers in Sonoma County. How many have been to Sonoma County? How many like Sonoma County? Okay, good. Same number of hands I think went up. How many like wine from Sonoma County? Perfect, now I know my audience. Okay, great, um, I'm in the right place. So I represent the grape growers and there's about 1,800 of them up in Sonoma County. Most of them, 95%, family run, multi-generational. How many folks are here from Europe? got a couple. So I do always, again, giggle to myself when I say multi-generational, and we count 200 years of farming or family business here to be multi-generational, and then I visit Europe and hear about 24th generation on the same farm. So I think, you know, we're still recognizing we're new world and still figuring out a lot of what to do in wine um, and wine agriculture here, but we're definitely moving forward. So um, again, excited to be here, and I was going to start by talking about our path to sustainability. So back in 2014, we made a commitment to be 100% certified sustainable in all of our vineyards. Now that seems like an absolute, yes, you should do that. Why wouldn't you be doing that? But back in 2013, when we started this conversation, sustainability and grape growing wasn't the common conversation, right? Now you can't escape a winery website or a press release or some news alert that doesn't talk about either what a business is doing to be more sustainable or consumers caring about sustainability. But back then it was sort of a, not novel, but it was an evolving concept. So, and it all started, I, uh, I have been in this role about 10 years. I started as the marketing director. Six months later, I got promoted to president and um, I'm still trying to figure out payroll and insurance and all those really fun things of running a small business. And one of my board members emails me on a Saturday afternoon, pretty sure he'd been drinking wine for a few hours and sort of posed this really big question. How do we get the governor of California, at that time as Governor Brown, to recognize Sonoma County grape growers as leaders in sustainability? Well, that's a big ask. Not sure there's an easy answer. So here was my quick tip. If you want tips for today, this might be my best advice. When you don't know the answer, delay the conversation, right? So, I scheduled a lunch with this uh, farmer about a week later. I said, okay, I've bought myself like seven days to think about how we would do this. So I show up for lunch and I said, gosh, his name is Duff Bevel. Isn't that a great name, Duff Bevel? If you know the band ZZ Top, he kind of looks like he'd be a member. He has like a long white beard, but he's kind of like the thinker anyway. He's a brilliant farmer, very innovative. I sit down to lunch and I said, you know what? I haven't been able to find a shortcut to leadership and sustainability. If we want to be considered leaders in sustainability, we actually got to be leaders in sustainability. We're going to have to figure out what that looks like. And it was that dialogue and that email on a Saturday afternoon that really motivated about six months of dialogue with our board of directors and a conversation about what would leadership look like? What would we be committing to? How would we get there? Could we actually do it? 
And at the final board meeting of our year, we did a little retreat, which let me tell you, farmers don't like to go away and brainstorm anything. They want to be out on their tractors and in their trucks, but I forced them. So they came and we did a retreat and we had all sorts of whiteboards and we talked about what would we want? What is our vision? What would we want the headline to be in our local newspaper saying good things about us in 10 years? And what's that headline we'd always want to avoid? And we realized the path to either us being successful 10 years later or us not being viable 10 years later was around a path towards sustainability. So based on that, we made that commitment. So in 2014, literally the scariest day in my career, I got up on stage, it looked a little bit like this, only there were about 500 farmers out in the audience, and I said, we are gonna commit, and the board signed off, here's all their signatures, I literally made them sign their name to the commitment. I said, we are gonna commit to being 100% certified sustainable in all of our vineyards, and off we went. Do you think they applauded? No. They looked at me like, what did she just commit us to, and why did we promote her to run the organization? Were we crazy? But we started education, we started having conversations, our board members, because they signed on it, agreed to be the leaders in the effort. So what does it even mean? What's sustainability? So we were fortunate enough that the state of California has four already fantastic sustainability certification programs for grape growing developed. The California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance, Lodi Rules, SIP, and Fish Friendly Farming. And we did a bunch of analysis and said, if you track on an Excel spreadsheet, because I'm a bit of a geek, and you look at water measurement and conservation and all these different best practices that maybe one has three best practices gets you to the same result, that another program has 14 best practices gets you to the same result. So we could sort of say these all sort of essentially are the same programs and we can put them under the umbrella of Sonoma County Sustainable. So that's what we did. We gave our farmers some flexibility. They go through an assessment. It's about 140 on average best management practices, triple bottom line. So how are you managing your business? How are you investing? What's your safety protocols, your employee handbook, your vision, your mission? How are you ensuring the next generation can farm? What are you doing for the environmental practices, water conservation, water quality, all of those things? You go through the assessment and then you do a third party audit and then every year you have to continuously improve. So we made this commitment, we said, in five years we wanna do this. So I was really excited in uh, 2019, five years into our commitment, we hit 99%. And we're like, that is incredible. And that's certified, so that means these growers had done the work, had done the audits, had written business plans to improve, and had been part of this sort of collaboration. And it was incredible. And uh, people always ask me, so I'm just gonna answer it now, what about the 1%? So I can tell you, they're mostly over 80 years old. They mostly live in a small region called Dry Creek where they grow Zinfandel and some of those uh, wines. And I think it's mainly about the next generation coming on. And we've seen so much enthusiasm from the next, you know, the, the children coming in, the young men and women that are coming in and taking over the family ranch because sustainability is actually something that they, has been part of their ethos as young kids and then growing up. So we were really excited about this program in PATH. And so I get asked all the time, and you probably were sitting here, what is the elevator pitch for sustainability? How do you sum up sustainability in 30 seconds? It is incredibly complex. It's not an easy thing to do. It's a journey, not a destination, right? And it just, and for one farmer, it might be a lot of focus on water. Another farmer might be erosion control. Another farmer might be like, I'm really focused on my employees and what I'm doing in the community. Because you're all starting with a different location, a different business, and a different result that you want. So I like to sum it up and say, you know what? At the end of the day, it's about you know, good dirt, good deeds, and good sense. It's the three sort of pillars of being triple bottom line. So we hit. 99% in 2019, but going back a few years, as we looked at the sustainability efforts, we said, 
are we doing enough really to support our employees, the workforce? The workforce that at the end of the day, without them, there is no agriculture. And I was sharing with Simone right before we went on, I mean, there's a startling statistic, if you like statistics. In the state of California, between 2012 and 2017, we lost a million acres of agriculture. 7,700 farms went out of business. So that's land that is going to be converted. We're caring a lot about climate. Maybe it's going to be paved over. It's never going to be useful working land again. So that's a scary statistic. So ensuring that the next gen our employees want to be a part of this and are leading in the future is really important. So we had a foundation, the Sonoma County Grape Growers Foundation. It was launched in 2002, really to provide English as second language classes and safety training in Spanish. So in 2016, our grape growers got together and they said, you know what, let's relaunch, reinvigorate this foundation, reinvest in it, and let's try to tackle some of these community-wide issues that we can't do individually as our own sort of in our own business. Thinking about affordable housing, healthcare, childcare, workforce development, these big things that like one, one individual, and I'm sure a lot of you are in these businesses, it's hard to tackle these community-wide, if not statewide, if not global-wide issues that are impact a community. So our grape growers relaunched our Sonoma County Grape Growers Foundation. We started with feedback sessions in Spanish with the employees and said, what do you need? What resources? Where do you need help? Where do you go to for help? We convened 49 organizations around Sonoma County to help us create our original business plan. This was in 2016. Then what happened? In 17, we were impacted by the wildfires. I know personally, I lost my house in the 2017 wildfires. So one day I had a home, everything looked great. The next morning I wake up, I don't have a home. And I realized even as connected as I was in our community, English was my first language. I didn't have to worry about documentation. I didn't have to worry about going and getting government assistance or help. It was incredibly a big struggle, incredibly hard. So in those first days in the aftermath of those wildfires, we launched our first recovery and resiliency program to support our vineyard employees and their families. And overnight, we were able to use the microphone, the megaphone that we had talking about what the impact of the wildfires on our community to help us raise money. And we raised almost a million dollars in the first six weeks. And we were able to, any vineyard employee that was impacted in our community we, who lost their home, we paid rent support for two years. I learned how to buy RVs. Now a lot of people have RVs. Back then, that wasn't quite the thing. COVID's like sort of caused a resurgence of RVs and camping. We bought RVs for temporary housing because we just, as a community, lost almost 6,000 homes overnight. We paid um, gift cards, evacuation costs, hotel costs. And then sadly, we've had to rely on that resiliency and recovery fund since then. So both through additional wildfires as well as COVID. But it's been an important part of being able to support our employees and ensure that our workforce is able to stay living and working in Sonoma County and working on agriculture. On the fun side, we do an employee recognition program. We name an employee of the year. In fact, I got a, we just named our employee of the year, Roberto um, Alvarez Flores, and it was pretty incredible. The newspaper just wrote an article up there and called him a superhero. So it's pretty great when you have a vineyard employee being called a superhero who works and supports agriculture. Um, so we have that program, and we just launched our first ever leadership academy for our vineyard employees. So teaching our vineyard employees not farming skills, but actually communication, financial literacy, conflict resolution, HR, so they can go back to their ranches, organizations, or out in the community and be a leader and help others and raise everyone up. So this social sustainability piece, I think, doesn't often get talked about when we think about farming and, and what the world looks like and sort of moving sustainability forward, but it's a critical part of what we do and a critical part of Sonoma County agriculture. So after you do 100%, well, I say 100%, I round up, 99% certified sustainable, what's next? 
So we used the opportunity to really step back and we were hearing more and more again. So the conversation went from sustainability not being talked about a lot to being talked about a lot. But then also now part of the conversation was climate, climate, climate. And I don't know about any of you, but as I read articles and you think about this global climate crisis, it's really hard to feel like you can play a role in being part of the solution. It's almost overwhelming. So we said, how do we do more recognizing that our farmers have land and what do you need to help the climate? It's carbon sequestration. How do you do that? You don't do it in pavement, you do it in soil, right? You plant things. And our farmers are really good at planting things to sequester carbon. So we were excited after rolling off our 99% certified sustainability commit, commitment, we launched in partnership with the California Land Stewardship Institute, the first ever climate adaptation certification for agriculture. And we started in our vineyards. And what it recognized is that it's actually gonna take custom local solutions, this is our ethos, that's gonna take local custom solutions done farm by farm to really understand how you optimize being climate stewards, stewardship and climate stewards as our farmers. So this program goes out, works with our farmers and says, okay, using models by USDA and California Department of Food and Ag to, to model what they're doing on their ranches, it looks at the full ranch, not just the vineyards, and says, what are you doing? What activities and what scenarios can we create to help model? Because right, you, you can't measure carbon sequestration in a year to do it right the best. It's 100 years. So none of us, most likely, unless things change dramatically, are going to be here to understand the full implications of what we are doing today to support climate. Right? So we said, let's model so we have the best idea of the practices we're doing and the impact they're going to make. So in these 20 ranches, which were the initial pilot, we just entered 40 more, and we just got a grant for 100 more. So we're sort of moving throughout Sonoma County. But we modeled them, gave them different scenarios, and said, here's the different practices and what it will result in in terms of either lowering your greenhouse gas emissions, but primarily at this point, we we're focused on additional carbon sequestration. So and in those 20 pilots, because you can get geeky with the numbers, but I want to know what does it really mean in real terms, in that one year of the pilot, the scenarios developed said you would actually be able to remove about 5.5 million miles of a car driven just from those 20 ranches. So imagine that now we have about 1,800 ranches around Sonoma County if you start to multiply that, and if we get better at it, and if we learn more to be able to be part of that climate solution. So we're really proud of this program. It's a beginning. We're learning a lot. I think that's sort of the best you can do is every day learn something new and apply it and figure out how to take those risks and make good decisions. But the headlines keep coming, right? And they keep coming and, and more and more our grape growers and vineyards are in the middle of those headlines saying, well, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna still be able to grow world-class Pinot Noir and Chardonnay? We're really fortunate in Sonoma County, we grow 66 different wine grape varieties that go into commercial wine. So we have a lot of learning even within our community. If it's too hot to grow Pinot Noir, we know how to grow great Cabernet Sauvignon and Zinfandel and, and Sauv Blanc and other grapes. But still as a global community of wine, we have a lot of work ahead of us in terms of figuring out what is gonna be the best grapes, how do we make them resistant to all sorts of weather extremes. And it might not just be heat, it might be cold. We have more coastline than any other wine region in California. We might not get warmer, we might actually get colder in some of our microclimates. So that's just sort of balancing that all out. But what we've been realizing is impacts are happening faster and more frequently, right? So we're, and, and they're becoming more extreme. So we're trying to figure out how do we adapt to all of that? So as we did that, it's been interesting. I do a lot of media interviews, and people would call us and say, what are you doing for climate? What are those practices? One of the number one things you can do for climate 
is conservation tillage, right? You leave sort of your cover crops planted so that way you're sequestering more carbon in the soil. Well, what other dynamic have we been dealing with, right? Do you know, do you know why it's called farming? Have you ever heard this? Because gambling was taken, right? So our farmers feel like they're gambling a lot every year. So what happens when you're in climate focus, but now you're in the worst drought ever in the state of California? The very practices you do to sequester carbon are in conflict with the practices you do to conserve water. So all of a sudden, how do you deal with that? What's the better path? So all of those conversations really inspired us to step back and say, we need a better farming program for the future. We need to re-envision this. Sustainability is a great foundation. Our farmers are doing it. It's 140 practices. They're improving every year. Great. We have a sense now we're starting to model these climate practices. But what happens when all of a sudden you have a new sort of influence or impact, and you have to figure out where you go from that? So we are envisioning, and you're hearing about it, and we're still, this is a work in progress. So we don't have all the answers, but we love now talking about it, because I think hopefully it'll motivate good conversation, and folks like you can help us be part of figuring out those answers. But we said we need a farming program that's way more flexible. It leverages more innovation and technology than ever before on our, for our farmers and ranchers, and our farmers are quite innovative, and they like technology, it, but it also has to be practical and affordable, right? So those two things all have to be working together but helps our farmers really respond to the current conditions and current environment. So what we said is like, we have all of these things, these practices, this is a handful of them that support climate adaptation, climate mitigation. But then back to that gambling, here's the wheel of pain, as I call it. Things that impact your farming and your business that are the unpredictabilities. And it could be marketplace, COVID, where all of a sudden all the restaurants where our wines are sold close up overnight. What do you do? How do you respond? What's your role in that? to drought, to floods. So in 2019, sadly, we were blessed with wildfires and flooding in the same year. So our farmers had to adapt to that. So if you're spinning this wheel of pain, as I call it, and you're impacting one of these conditions, how do you respond? So we said what we want to do is create essentially optimized practices. So imagine this. If you say, OK, I'm conserving, I'm doing conservation tillage, that's a plus one, because I'm, I'm doing good for the planet. OK, now I'm, I'm taking away conservation tillage because of the drought. Well, now I'm a negative one. So what other practice can you do to get your plus one back? How can you sort of look at holistically, right? And our farmers are responsive. That's what they're trained to do, right? You respond to the weather. They've been up in the middle of the night the last couple of weeks because of frost protection, right? The bell goes off, and they go, OK, this is what we have to do now. But how do we help you be proactively responsive? So we're working on an entire program that says when this condition happens, Here's how you pivot quickly. Here's the information right in front of you, on your dashboard, on an app, where you can say, this is what just occurred, and I need to optimize my practices quickly and understand what's available with technology. Again, work in progress, but we're really excited about what this could mean for our farmers, because it's an incredibly practical but best practice approach to farming in the future. A lot of this was inspired. Uh, I talked a lot about carbon sequestration. We, uh, you know, what's the other, the other side of climate, right? You can sequester carbon or lower your greenhouse gas emissions. Well, let me tell you, carbon sequestration, our farmers are like, yep, doing it. As soon as you say, do you not want to drive your truck as much, your tractor as much, your equipment? They're like, no way, what do you mean? Don't take my truck away. Not my diesel truck, not my truck that I ride around in in the middle of the night during harvest. So then we were in really, frankly, a cold call conversation to Ford Motor Company. We wanted them to sponsor an event, and we said, 
And they don't, they're like, we don't sponsor events. I was like, well, do you partner on sustainability efforts? Can we do something else? And they said, well, talk to us about that. And I said, well, our farmers, you have the F-150 Lightning come out, and our farmers are actually curious about that. And we've never thought we could actually tackle the greenhouse gas emission side in a meaningful way of our ranches. And all of a sudden, Ford Pro said, let's do a partnership. Why don't you, Sonoma County Wine Growers, be the living lab, a pilot partner for us? So we did just that. So in January, we announced a global partnership, Sonoma County Wine Growers and Ford Pro. We have three full ranches um, in Sonoma County that are, again, living labs for them, where they're um, outfitting their entire business with fleet management software. So even if you still have gas cars, trucks, you can actually understand your idling times, the time you have trucks coming out of operation because you're not managing the maintenance as well. So optimizing efficiencies, optimizing your costs, lowering your costs. And now they're also, these pilot farmers are getting electric vans and trucks to use to model on their vineyards. So we're super excited about this partnership. And it changed, again, the way we thought about farming and the types of partners we could have. So if you can bring in a global partner to help with greenhouse gas emissions, what's possible and what's next? So all of that really led us to envision what I'm calling the farm of the future. And it's around all of these things. It's not just, it's the most importantly probably is that it's a flexible plan. And it acknowledges that no two years of farming are alike. And we want to make sure our farmers are always doing their best because they have the right information, the right practices, and access to technology and innovation that they need to do their best. So it's about being flexible, it's about adaptation, it's about resource conservation, it's about mitigation, it's about net zero, it's all of those things, and mostly it's about being generational. So let's not forget at the end of the day what our farmers want more than anything is to leave their land to their kids and to their grandkids, and there's still a farm that exists and is around for the next generation. So I'm gonna leave it at that, and that is our vision for the farm of the future.